0: the only hr podcast that'll check in on your nana cut up her steak for a little bit make sure she gets extra <laughs> of peas with those mashed potatoes <laughs> hannah hampton how the heck are you today
1: oh i'm good i just uh they really enjoy your intros and i love the fact that you don't share them with me ahead of time so you get my natural reaction so thank you how are you
0: I am great. I am real excited about jumping in on part two, five ways the COVID-19 crisis will transform HR roles. Uh, An article from uh, HR Morning with Tim McElgin. I really like what we've uh, talked about before. So let's just jump right back in.
1: Let's get back into it. I love it. So the next one is talent acquisition and retention remains critical. And I feel like that is the biggest no-brainer of them all because they were critical prior to the pandemic. But I feel like the point of this is it's even more critical. It was a very rough year for so many people. So many people lost their jobs, were put on furlough. There were hiring freezes. There were so many things that happened during this crisis. And once, you know, we start getting back to normal, You've got to really keep that focus on your talent acquisition and keeping around those great employees that you've either uh, had pre-pandemic or hired during or post-pandemics. I feel like this is one of those things where it's it's somewhat a no-brainer. But I think the point in the article was talking about the companies that laid off people. So it's talking about relying a bit on contractors and and temp workers and rehiring folks and dealing with your reputations. You know, I saw a meme out there and I mean, but I think there's some truth to it. It's basically, you know, how did you treat your employees during COVID? And of course, not just about like getting PPE and treating people with respect, but I also feel like, hey, did you lay everybody off? Because I think that will be a red flag to some about joining your company, so really spending some time on your uh, recruiting pipeline and also uh, thinking about your reputation. What are your thoughts there?
0: Well, of course, you know me, it's always recruiting, recruiting, recruiting and talent acquisition. I'm a huge proponent of doing the right thing and retaining Mm -hmm. your top talent and your performers and your people that have that are have been in it with you. I think we did a great job of really segueing into this unknowingly this this particular piece because I think the one thing that every manager needs to make sure is freshly honed in their management toolbox is empathy and Mm -hmm. listening skills, and understanding. This is the time to really utilize your HR team to explain these types of things to you, and Mm -hmm. even to look at outside companies and experts on retention and communication if it's not. If you know as a leader or as a company that retention and empathy is one of your weak points, This is the year that that has got to change because the talent acquisition part is critical. But there is so much what I call for and this is not an empathetic term, but I call it flake factor. Right now, I have had more candidates start the interviewing process with companies and then just withdraw in the middle mm-hmm. of it. And I've told them, you don't you don't want to withdraw right now, man. You are about to get an offer, and they're like, I'm not ready, or mm. I don't know if this is really what I want to do long term, or you know what, I have other things I need to do first before I get back in the workforce. If there's just a lot of that going on, I had to learn as just the recruiter to understand that and. Put some some processes in my interviewing stages to double check and make sure that they're ready. I have had to really listen to my candidates and there are times where I've had to really ask them, hey, I think you're great for this job, but are you sure this is what you want to do right now? Because every time I've called you to set up the next stage, you've had a lot on your plate or you haven't really been chomping at the bit Hmm. to move forward. If you're not ready, let's hold off. Let's let's not burn any bridges. Let's make sure that you are ready and uh, it's working. And I've got a great candidate pipeline but I'll tell you, I mean, I've had to stop myself from almost reading the riot act to some people like you are making a big mistake. You know what? They probably are career wise, but maybe they aren't personally. And I just have to just double check and make sure that their engagement still there at each step. And if I feel like they're not ready, just ask them. And sometimes we don't ask those questions because we're afraid of the answer We've got to find out where their head is. And that's the reason I think it's really important to take care of those people you've got on board now, because we are about to see a people shortage and people think that it's still a high, you know, it's an employer market. It is not. Mm. It is not right now. And some fields more than others. But I'm telling you, if you think you're just going to go to that recruiting warehouse and pull out (laughs) that candidate. Well, first off, that recruiting warehouse hasn't existed since 1982. (laughs) And secondly, more so than ever, do I think it's about hiring the right person as much as hiring the right skill set?
1: Absolutely. It's I I think you're you're very right on that. It's interesting. Of course, I'm a. Part of a lot of HR groups, I feel like the chatter I hear in these groups is right on with that. And some people are somewhat surprised that they're struggling hiring, but it's—I I don't think it should be that big of a surprise. So I think it's just that much more important for us as HR professionals to spend that time on recruiting, on educating, educating candidates on who you are and what you can offer, and. Candidates also, you know, I think that they are going to continue to, I don't want to say be choosy, but yeah, I feel like I, again, I'm going to go back to a point, but the world has changed. And I think people are really taking a hard look at themselves and thinking about where they're spending their time and people don't, you know, people don't want to be in a situation where they feel like they're being abused, they're being taken advantage of. And I think, I feel like every day there's an article about a, an employee coming out and, and whistleblowing and talking about, hey, it's it really sucked that I had to pee in a bottle because I didn't get a bathroom break or there wasn't a bathroom available or whatever. And I feel like <laughs> just go out on the internet, that story's out there. Uh, <laughs> but I, I feel like it's it's, we should not, I feel like, we are humans. Again, let's put the human back in human resources and uh, let's treat our employees with respect and certainly with good reason, demanding that and continue to share demand.
0: I want to make sure I hit something, and I think mm. we brushed upon this before, but the last time the economy crashed, a mm-hmm. lot of companies made the mistake of trying to go out and get people below their market. Value. You know, let's get a regional for what we would normally pay a manager of a department and things like that. I want a CFO at a regional salary. That never works. The talent pool doesn't forget. When you try to pull that, when you interview someone that their role is consistently been at $80,000 and you put them through the whole interviewing process and then offer them the same role at $65,000, that is insulting. It, it, It gets out there very quickly and it can have a long term effect on how people look at your company, not only your hiring practices, but just in general. So if you are trying to you know, seize better talent at a lower markup right now because you think it's an employer's market, not only are you wrong, but it will have a long-term impact on your ability to hire and retain top talent.
1: Yeah, I'm not, I guess I'm not familiar with that. That's not, but I haven't spent as much time in recruiting as you have. So I appreciate that insight. And yeah, like, let's pay people what they're worth. I mean, I I get it. People want to pinch pennies, but let's, I think it's terrible. Let's pay people what they're worth and let's pay people a living wage. And I'll leave it at that.
0: All right. The last one, I think everything we've discussed kind of supports how to do this. And it's talking about engaging a remote workforce. Yeah. we talked about some of the practices you've had and the things you've done. to Keep your team in contact with each other and involved and engaged. So it's been
1: hard, but I feel like, you know, we've had some winners and we've had some losers. But yeah, I think it's as companies have these hybrid or continue to have remote workforce, it's important to keep people engaged because, again, I'm going to read it straight from the article because it's it's true, it's important, but two decades of Gallup research shows that highly engaged teams, number one, produce substantially better outcomes, treat customers better, and attract new ones, and are more likely to remain with their organization than those who are less engaged. I hope every HR person knows that by now, keeping your employees engaged we'll keep them around. Those are all important things to think about, but we just have to do things that much more differently if we have these dispersed employees. But I also feel like if we want to take a step back, I think there's, there's companies that failed at this prior to the pandemic. And it's just that much more important that they do that because I think people will, again, leave for organizations that do a better job of engaging them, helping them stay happy. And just they talk about emotional well-being is a, a priority. And I, I feel like each generation is going to be more and more interested in making sure that their employers take care of them, uh, not just physically, but mentally. So I think those are all things that companies will be thinking about. So before I say any more, Mick,
0: what are your thoughts? Man, I've got a lot as usual. You know, the thing about this, the way you were able to sell the open campus concepts or that hybrid remote mix mm-hmm. was that you got, you were actually able to get more out of your people, right? That's right. how the Google campus in the bay area first launched and it was covered by so many magazines at the time that was when magazines still sold (laughs) that that the way they were able to sell it because they didn't really dive into it part of it was because there wasn't a lot of info at the beginning was they're like well believe it or not we actually get our people to work 55 hours and they're happier It wasn't about throughput. It wasn't about the actual productivity of the people. It was about them working more hours, and they were happy to do so because of the flexibility. Well, if that's your approach post-pandemic, it's kind of like me harping on the other stuff where you're trying to get a $100,000 person at $80,000. That's -hmm. the wrong reason to do it. You want to increase or get the optimum productivity at the right balance of also having a happy and long-term team member. So it's not about oh this person's going to work more hours for us if we have the flexibility and we create the the right hybrid. What how can we get the most out of them in 40 hours a week and have them happy and not exhausted. It's not about hours. Uh-huh. It's about happiness, uh-huh. culture, and getting the desired results and productivity and hitting your goals, metrics, etc. So I still believe if Bobby can do 30 hours and hit everything I need yeah. him to do this week, but it takes Susie 50 and Susie's fine with working the 50 and she's happiest because she has other things she doesn't, whatever it is, that's what's important is the balance of a Happy, engaged associate that can effectively do what you need them to do. Right. And don't get greedy. Don't feel like you're doing them a favor.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This is I mean, I... being a great boss and doing them a favor. What you want to do is create a win-win environment where your people are happy, they're productive, you're retaining them, you're growing as a company, you're engaging your people. That's the that's the that's the dream, right?
1: Well, I I think you're going to, I feel like this could be another topic, but I honestly feel like the 40 hour work week is an outdated, it's an outdated idea. And we could talk about that. And you know, I worked at, I worked at a place where I was told that we work a 50 hour minimum work week. And I was a little surprised by that statement, but um, again, it was an industry where uh, 50 hours didn't seem like a lot, but I feel like that that's, I feel like that's going away. I think that people don't wanna spend their entire lives slaving away, but like they don't wanna spend their entire lives working uh, and not building their own personal lives. I, I, again, I feel like it's gonna be 40 hour work week or this kind of standard work week is gonna be um, a thing of the past. And I think that this might help push companies into the future. And I certainly, so I agree with that. If you can get your job done in 30 hours a week, and you're able to prove that and you can work that out. I think that's that's awesome because I think that's going to help get us to where we need to be. And I, I'm one of those people, like, certainly I think it's great when you you love your job. And I know that I love HR. I love what I do. But, if, uh, you know, it'd be cool to have a little bit more flexible. And maybe I have a week of 50 hours, but then I have a week of 25 hours or whatever it might be uh, based on where I am mentally, based on where I am physically. And all of that stuff. So again, I feel like that standard 40-hour work week will soon be a thing of the past. Maybe not so soon, but soon in the grand scheme of things.
0: You know, something you and I discussed earlier off air, and I'm actually going to tie it into this, what I think one of the most important pieces is as you develop this hybrid, making sure there's no gray lines when it comes to actual PTO or vacation. Mm -hmm. Because what I have seen is since a lot of us have not actually taken physical vacations or not as many as as usual or had to do them in kind of weird pandemic-y ways, is everyone I know kept taking calls and responding to emails while they were on vacation in Mm -hmm. 2020. That's why so many people, myself included, And I think I am probably speaking for you, but I think you felt this at times, Hannah, is I am friggin' fried.
1: Yeah. And
0: it's because I didn't put I never once put my out of office message on an email or my phone in twenty twenty. I did feeling it. I feel it. Yeah, but you put your out of office on and then respond.
1: Yeah, like but people didn't didn't always listen or pay attention to it, but You know, yeah, certainly. It's one of those things where you always just be like, Well, I'm here, I can do it, so I'm going to. And then it just burns you out because then you didn't get your true time away to recharge. And I think recharging is a super, super important thing to be able to do. So,
0: yeah, I yeah you've got it. Not only that. do you need to respect your person's time off this year more so than ever, you need to make sure they're using it and they are unplugging. If you've got someone that you don't think they'll unplug unless you take their laptop, make them leave or drop their laptop off at the office. Seriously, make sure your people are able to unplug, give them the deserved time off that they're going to really, really need this year. Mm -hmm. Some people don't even realize it, how badly they need it yet. Some of them are listening to this podcast right now and they're like, holy fuck, he's right. (laughs) I need some fucking time off. You know, even if it's to unplug and go camping in my backyard, whatever it is, you know, depending on when you get your vaccine and it's safe to do things, camping in your backyard is pretty fun and it's not as tough and, and you can go inside when it gets hot. So that's just something I'm putting out there.
1: There you go. Yep. I think uh, those are all really important things, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, honestly, I, I will say this. is It was an interesting article and we didn't we're not going to talk about the last point. They talk about accommodation and compliance. I think it's one of those things where everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everyone knows that those are always important, but uh, yeah, I think it was a really interesting article about, you know, five ways that COVID transforms HR and things are going to change for the better. So I think this next year, it's going to be really interesting, interesting to see, especially as the pandemic ends, because eventually it will COVID's not going to go away forever, but it will stop being a pandemic. So I think it'll be interesting to, to monitor how it, how it affects the workforce and, you know, to my HR brothers and sisters, let's stick together, let's uh, make some changes to the positive, and and we got this.
0: Absolutely. Some companies, they heavily rely on the HR manager and they want their input all the time. Some companies, I know you, you as HR leaders have to just pound on the door to get them to let you in on the meetings I think this is the year that you need to make sure you have a seat at the table and talk about these things and make sure that you're reminding them of the importance of the human aspects of human resources, team building and development, and do the right things. Make sure you have flexibility because people's minds are going to change. This is a time where HR really needs to make sure that they have a seat at the table when a company is discussing what is our model? You know, what is our business model? What is our people model? What is our culture? What do we need to change about our culture? This is the time. I mean, this is more so than ever where it's like kind of having that fresh slate to work with, right? Make sure that you actually get to talk for your people. So make sure you know what they want you know, start engaging, start seeing what can change and what may be permanent, what's going to be temporary, what's the transition, whatever it is. But there's no excuse for not knowing what's going on, what's coming up, and doing everything you can to lobby for your team and directly put the human back in human resources. Hannah Hampton, fuck you're awesome. That's great. Good talk. All right. Have a great day. Go, <laughs>